Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 Welcome to Kanenbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Kanenbaum Podcast features devotional material by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells, along with church history, music, and other information. My name is Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Nina, Wisconsin. Glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode 104. We'll begin by introducing a new segment that will be featured on our podcast. Thanks to Bread for Beggars, that's breadforbeggars.com, for letting us feature this segment. This is called To Tell the Story, with Pastor Luke Italiano. Grandpa! 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 Oh, the little boy rushes into the room, scrambles over all the stuff in the room, reaching for Grandpa, scrambling up onto his lap. Grandpa! 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 Keenan. Slow down, slow down. His mother enters the room, a smile on her face. Grandpa isn't as young as he used to be, you know. Grandpa! Oh, Keenan looks into that wrinkled face. So many smile lines around his eyes. And yes, many wrinkles simply from age. Grandpa, tell me a story! And Grandpa laughs. <laughs> Well, Keenan, what shall I tell you? Tell me what it was like before, back when you were young. Well, things were different. Very different. Keenan looks up with his big brown eyes, waiting, waiting to hear the story. And Grandpa continues. Well, everything was perfect then. Not... Not like it is now. Everything was better. The stars shone brighter. And the sun was happier. The plants, you've never seen leaves so green. And fruit never tasted so good. But the maker... Well, he gathered up dust and he patted it together into a little mound and he breathed into it. And then I opened my eyes and I saw him. I saw his face. I can't remember what it looks like now, but I'll see it again someday. He promised. And Grandpa Adam told Keenan all the old stories. How it was in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, when God spoke the worlds into being. And yes, Keenan listened to Grandpa Adam. And then Keenan told his children, and his grandchildren, and his great grandchildren. And the stories were passed down, and they were kept, and they were true. 
And then God used Moses to write the stories down, and they were still true. And generation after generation, hundreds, thousands of years, remembered these true stories that God saw fit to write down in the exact words he wanted, because our God is a God of truth, and the stories he tells are real and true. Until one day, a father was working in his workshop when his little boy walked in. Daddy, tell me a story. And Joseph set down his hammer and looked at his son and asked, Well, what story do you want to hear? Tell me how it all began. And Joseph looked into the eyes of his adopted son, the eyes of the one who began it all. And Joseph told little boy Jesus how it all began. Well, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You see, our God tells us stories. And these stories are true, they're real, with real people and real emotions. These stories are real. And in these podcasts, we'll revisit these stories that God has told us. If you're familiar with these stories, I hope that they bring uh, new light, uh, fresh faces to that, as you're reminded that these stories are real and true. If you've never heard these stories before, I hope they grow an appreciation, and I hope you go back and read the originals in the Bible, because God is such a better storyteller than I am. But I want you to remember, these stories are true, and these are just some of them. Up next, we'll share a song by Stephen Bautista, He Provides. Yeah. 
Bible Truths. Question number seven. How does one obtain faith? Do good works cause faith, or does faith cause good works? Faith, as with all our salvation, is a free gift from God. We cannot obtain faith on our own. It comes from hearing the gospel. Some may think that if they do good works, they must have faith, and therefore, God would have to save them. Nothing in the Bible leads to that conclusion. Those who think their good works will earn them a place in heaven actually don't believe that they need a Savior. If it were true that our good works could earn heaven, then Jesus' death on the cross was in vain. Regardless of how good we think we are, our destiny is hell because of our sins. So it is impossible for us to enter heaven through good works. God says we need to be sinless to enter heaven, and that is exactly why Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross in our place. Now our sins are gone, and God sees us as perfect humans without any sin. Heaven is our home. God has done everything perfectly for our salvation by himself. Even though Jesus had to die in order to save us, God wants us to be joyful with his free gift of eternal life. This is priceless. It is in this understanding that our hearts and minds are changed and our faith grows. Now we desire to thank God, following his commandments, repenting of our sins, praying regularly, serving our neighbors, helping the poor, sharing his word, are some ways we can daily thank God. He knows and sees what's in our hearts and minds. We cannot hide our motives from him. He says that those who do good works and do not have faith are condemned. This means that God will not save really nice people who justify themselves through their good works. He saves sinners who repent and believe they need a Savior. God tells us in his word that we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. What joy Christians have knowing that God alone gives a saving faith and justifies believers through this faith to enter heaven. God's Word on Faith from the NIV. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Psalm 119, verse 32. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died, for them and was raised again. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, and to purify himself for people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We continue at Genesis 22, starting at verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and led him, laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The Jewish Bible translates here, And Abraham named that place, The Lord will see. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, on the mountain, the Lord will be seen. And of course, as you look at the Hebrew, that's literally what is said here, that the Lord will be seen. The idiomatic expression could also be taken that the Lord will, as we say in English, see to it. But you can't escape the fact that the second expression is a passive verb, the Lord will be seen or it will be seen, it will be provided. It's interesting to note that the possible double meaning of that passive verb, be seen, the Lord will provide, or the Lord will be seen. There was a French Jewish rabbi, commonly referred to as Rashi, a blend of rabbi and the first sound of his proper name, Shalomo Yitzaki, who lived during the latter part of the 11th century. And this Rabbi had a commentary that became rather popular, and it's retained some respect with Jewish readers. The Rashi commentary remarks at this point that future generations will say about it, On this mountain the Holy One, blessed be He, appears to His people. Unfortunately, Rashi gets into odd speculation on how that could possibly be. Would it be as God sees His sacrifice there when the temple was built? Or would it be that the ashes should be that of Isaac, seen in the animal sacrifices which follow? 
Those speculations and ideas are all missing the mark. The answer is seen through the eyes of faith, as a simple but direct allusion to what took place. God himself was seen on the mountain, or, if you prefer, God himself provided on the mountain. He appeared in human flesh, so that Isaac did what none of us, or any of us, or any human being could do. He paid the price and put God above all, as Abraham needed to do and couldn't do perfectly. God's Son came and appeared. God's Son came and provided. And the Son of God himself was seen as he walked that mountain, as he taught in the temple courts, as he marched up Golgotha. Perhaps what could also be even identified as the same hill on Mount Moriah. And there he was seen as the sacrifice. There he provided and was seen. A double meaning fits either way here. The illusion points forward always to Christ, and Jesus says, These are the scriptures that testify about me. Jesus is our substitute. Jesus appeared just when we needed him to. How can we continue on without pausing at least briefly to note the climatic point in Abraham's life of faith? Here he goes to the very end, full obedience to God's command. But it was, as we are reminded throughout Scripture, driven by faith, not fear or force. It was his faith in such a gracious God that allowed Abraham to carry out this great display of putting God first. We mentioned earlier how his faith included a resurrection faith. Now we see it is also a faith in God's mercy and provision for the sinner. When you consider how God has provided and will provide for you, how he's done this through his Son, what does that empower you to do? By his Spirit, he is glorified in a Christian's life as God has put above all things in our heart and all of our treasures and all of our loved ones. By faith we put him first as we journey and wait for his promised rest. We read once again and meditate on the word of our God from Genesis 22. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mount of the Lord it will be provided. We'll close today with a song shared by the Lutheran Cayley Orchestra, Christ Be Beside Me.
You have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast. This episode was first shared in November of 2015. For more information about the artists featured on this podcast and how to support their music and ministry, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. Today we shared music by the Lutheran Cayley Orchestra and Stephen Bautista. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us. Remember his promised rest.